This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Jim Power, the European Central Bank, uh, meets today, later on. Uh, for the last 10 meetings they've had, they've raised interest rates. What do you think uh, will happen later? Uh, is there any relief on the horizon for hard-pressed mortgage payers? Uh, good morning, John. Yes, yeah, since the end of July of last year, which is, you know, 15 months ago, we've seen the European Central Bank increase interest rates, as you say, 10 times by a total of 4.5%. And by any stretch of the imagination, that is a dramatic tightening of interest rate policy. Uh, the motivation behind us was very clear. Um, inflation you know, in the euro area at this time last year exceeded 10%. The European Central Bank has a target of 2%. So no major surprises about the aggressive nature of the tightening we've seen. However, I think we have reached the end of the road, or very close to the end of the road. I think the justification for any further interest rate increases um, just does not exist. You know, although inflation is still elevated, it is coming down. And I think it's also important to recognize that the when an interest rate is changed, it takes fully 12 months for the full effect to be felt in the system. So I think given the cumulative tightening we've seen in the last 15 months, um, it would be now most sensible for the European Central Bank just to step back and see how the tightening delivered to date works through the system. And I think it will work through the system because uh, the other reason why I don't believe any further interest rate increases can possibly be justified is the fact that the European economy is in rag order at the moment. Um, It's basically bouncing along the bottom. Um, All indicators of activity, with the possible exception of the labour market, are showing weakness. Manufacturing activity, service sector activity are contracting. The German economy particularly um, is very, very weak at the moment. And Germany is the largest economy in the euro area. And um, Germany is being hit because of its energy dependency, because of the there's still a preponderance of manufacturing in Germany, and that's been hit by energy costs and also by the Chinese economic slowdown. So in a nutshell, John, um, I'd be shocked, but I stress I have been shocked by the European Central Bank before, but I would be shocked if the European Central Bank actually increased rates today. I, th- I think they will leave them on hold. Um, I hope I'm not proven incorrect on that, but I think they will send out a message that inflation is still too high and they remain vigilant in that fight. Uh, but I, as I say, I think um, we, we've seen enough tightening at this stage. And um, I, I think what I'm thinking about at this stage is um, this time next year, will we be talking about um, the possibility of European rates starting to come down again? I think we may well, because my prognosis of the Eurozone economy at the moment is pretty negative. And if you look at just ongoing events with the Ukraine war, um, the Middle Eastern situation now, which is really starting to become serious, um, all of those things will further dampen growth. So in an environment of such intense uncertainty and indeed economic weakness in Europe, um, it would be balmy in my view for the European Central Bank to actually tighten any further.
Yeah, well, the medicine uh, that they've been applying with the uh, interest rate rises has been all in an effort to stem inflation. People have felt inflation in their pockets. What's the outlook on inflation? Is it still coming down? Is it going to continue uh, to come down? Well, it's, it's proving quite stubborn, uh, particularly in the last two or three months. And the reason why it's proving quite stubborn is because initially, um, after October of last year, for the next um, nine months, basically, the headline rates came down quite strongly, largely because global energy costs were falling. But over the last couple of months, and the Middle Eastern situation has, has exacerbated this, um, oil and natural gas prices are starting to creep up again. And indeed, you know, your listeners will have seen it at the petrol and diesel pumps here in recent weeks. You know, prices are starting to creep up again. So it, it, it is certainly likely that those pressures on energy costs will remain. And one, one of the big uncertainties here, obviously, is what happens in the Middle East. I mean, if it develops into a fully-fledged war in the Middle East with all the other players being dragged in, um, that will affect oil supply because the Middle East still accounts for about a third of global crude oil supply. So there are certainly risks on the energy front at the moment. So uh, that, that the point really is that um, inflation from here is likely to prove quite stubborn in coming down, you know. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's why I think the European Central Bank will say today that it remains vigilant. Uh, but I, 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 I think... Um, my view would be that when energy prices are pushing inflation up, increasing interest rates is not going to achieve very much uh, because increasing interest rates will not bring oil prices down, for example. So I, I think the European Central Bank has got to focus in on the real economy and the fact that there's significant weakness coming through. But for you know Irish consumers, um, although we're seeing we've seen a deceleration in the rate of inflation, uh, that doesn't mean that prices are actually falling it means that the rate of increase is actually coming down but prices are still rising by and large so the cost of living crisis that was such a key focus of the budget there a few weeks back um, will certainly remain an issue particularly for um, uh, hard-pressed households over the coming months. Mm, and on energy prices, the clocks are going back this weekend, the temperatures are dropping. Um, we can't be complacent on energy prices. That's what I'd be uh, feeling from what you're saying. There is a, a danger due to global events that they could go the other way again and start increasing over the winter. Yeah, there, there certainly is. I mean, Brent crude oil um, is trading over $90 a barrel at the moment and, in fact, almost touched 100 in the last few weeks when the Middle Eastern situation um, initially um, erupted. Um, yeah, I, I would be worried because of global geopolitics certainly have the potential to influence oil supply, uh, the Ukrainian situation, the impact that has on natural gas. So yeah, I'd be a bit concerned about um, energy going into the winter, as was the case this time last year. Luckily, last year, we were actually helped out by the fact that it was an incredibly mild winter, um, and the demand for energy was nothing like as strong as it might have been otherwise. Um, so uh, I guess we're in the hands of the meteorological gods at the moment in terms of how much demand there will be for energy over the winter months. Uh, but if it did turn out to be a cold winter, 
uh, particularly in Europe, well, that definitely um, would exacerbate the upward pressure in energy costs. So I'd be I'd be concerned about energy prices going into the winter. Absolutely, uh, Jim. Just turning to the Irish economy in general, you mentioned about the European economy bouncing along uh, the bottom. Not a pretty picture. How's the Irish economy? I, I've the sense it's a bit of an outlier when it comes to Europe. Am I correct or yeah, am I, I mean, mistaken? The Irish economy continues to show uh, remarkable resilience. Um, you know, p- people in the retail business um, have certainly felt some pressures over the last few months, and I-, I wouldn't be surprised about that in the sense that, you know, a lot of people are being hit hard by the increased cost of living and particularly by the increase in mortgage rates we've seen. Uh, mortgage rates today are almost 55% above where they were this time last year. So that is pretty significant. So um, I wouldn't be, you know, I would be surprised if consumer spending was not showing some signs of easing. But but, but in overall terms, the economy is still performing well. Uh, the labour market, we, you know, record levels of employment, um, an unemployment rate of 4.2%, meaning that virtually anybody who wants a job can actually get a job because it's pretty much a fully employed economy. Tax revenues are still strong, although there is some weakness coming through on the corporation tax side. Um, the export side of the economy, um, agri-food exports are actually doing very well this year, um, despite or perhaps because of Brexit. Um, the one area of weakness in exports is on the chemical and pharmaceutical side. Uh, there is weakness coming through there, but that's uh, due to a few things. But one is that during COVID, you know, we saw this massive surge in the export of chemical and pharma products related to COVID. Uh, obviously, we're, you know, that situation is now normalizing. So there's, there's a bit of an adjustment happening there. Um, but in, in overall terms, you know, the Irish economy um, is doing pretty well and certainly one of the stronger economies, if not the strongest in the euro area at the minute. Uh, I wouldn't be complacent about it because, you know, over the next six months, uh, those cost of living pressures as we spoke about, will remain an issue. Um, interest rates have increased significantly. That will remain an issue. Uh, but countering some of those pressures will be the fact that on October 10th, 10th there recently, the um, government introduced a $14 billion budget. Wow. And that is a hell of a lot of money that's going to be pumped into the economy um, over the coming months. So that will certainly offset some of the weakness. But um, I'd be sort of cautiously optimistic about Ireland's prospects over the next six months. Um, I think there will be some slowdown uh, based on what's happening at a global level. But um, I think Ireland you know, is doing reasonably well. Uh, you, you mentioned the $14 billion being pumped by the government. A lot of that is due to tax uh, and in particular corporation tax. Uh, you mentioned drops in corporation tax. Um, we've had bonanza years recently. Is that drop something to be concerned about? Well, this year we're going to take in 23.6 billion in corporation tax, or at least that is the projection. Ten years ago, we'd have been lucky to get four to five billion. 
So the surge in corporation tax since, 20, since 2015 really has been instrumental in allowing the government deliver the very generous budgets that have been delivered. The note of caution now is that uh, the most recent exchequer returns suggest that there will be an undershoot of about $750 million in corporation tax this year relative to what was expected. And $750 million out of $23.6 billion, you know, it's, it's, it's big but it's not massive. Mm. But I think the, the symbolic importance of this has to be borne in mind because this is the first time corporation tax has undershot expectations for quite some time. And what it is reflecting is the fact that global technology companies, many of whom are operating here in Ireland, um, are have weakened in the last 12 months. Um, we're seeing this slowdown in the chemical and pharmaceutical sector of the economy. That's impacting on corporation tax receipts. So I'd be um, that there is a note of caution there in relation to the corporation tax outlook. But um, the hope would be that we now stabilise around these levels and that we don't see a significant weakness. But there is certainly an element of what I would call concentration risk here. 57% of that $23.6 billion will, come, will come from 10 multinational companies. 88% of the total corporation tax take will come from the multinational sector. So that's great, but it does create a risk for Ireland. You know, if external developments were to damage the multinational part of our economy, um, you could get a significant setback in corporation taxes. And that is something that the government is concerned about. And that's why a huge element of the budget on October 10th was um, once-off measures rather than recurring measures, just in case the corporation tax take does weaken significantly at some stage. Yeah. Now, uh, turning to another sector of the economy, Jim, agriculture. What's your view on the state of Irish agriculture from an economic perspective at the moment? Well, actually, um, you know, farming has been doing okay over the last couple of years, um, you know, notwithstanding the fact that, you know, weather conditions have been truly awful, uh, particularly this year. Um, that always has a huge impact on the farming community. Obviously, it's so weather dependent. Um, we, we've seen in recent months input costs, a lot of them falling, uh, particularly energy and fertilizer and so on, relative to where they were a year ago. Uh, but when input costs increased dramatically after the Ukraine war started, output prices for farmers also increased. So the net effect actually was that farmers, you know, continued to deliver reasonable growth in income last year and into this year. So far farming is doing okay, but a concern you, you would have that I've kind of outlined is those Leo geopolitical events and their potential impact or possible impact on energy costs over the next six months will be one to watch for farmers because obviously agriculture is very energy dependent as well. Uh, but on the whole, um, the farming sector is doing okay. Um, but there is the obvious um, medium, well, sorry, immediate, medium and longer term challenge for farmers in relation to the environmental agenda. You know, there, there is a growing pressure to 
cut production um, of farm output in this country. Um, I'm dubious about this, I have to say, because um, if I look at the global situation, a growing global population um, that will require a significant increase in food production. Um, food production around the world is being significantly distorted by climate change. So I, I think actually in the longer term there will be a huge focus on countries like Ireland for food production because a lot of countries will now become increasingly um, undermined as food producers because of climate change and extreme weather events. And, and despite the weather here, Ireland is still in a relatively good position relative to many countries and is likely to remain so. So I, th- I think Ireland's um, status as a food producing nation has got to be protected. And um, I, I, I just actually um, am sceptical about those environmental claims about food production. You know, we, we, need, we need to um, feed the global population. And do you think uh, that sophisticated argument has been uh, factored into the discussions or is it a bit binary? Uh, it's totally binary, absolutely. Um, it's, 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 it's all focused on what's happening here in Ireland. Um, the, the debate has certainly not taken account of the broader global situation. Uh, and I think that realisation will actually dawn over the next couple of years as we see increased flooding and droughts in food-producing countries like the United States, Canada, Australia, and so on. Um, so I, uh, I, I'd be actually very optimistic about the potential for the Irish agri-food sector to um, be a major global player in food production or an important global player in food production over the coming decades. Mm. Okay, Jim, we leave it there. Thanks very much. That's Jim Power, economist, giving us his perspective on interest rates, the Irish economy, and indeed agriculture. Jim, thanks for joining us. You're most welcome, John, as usual. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell.